You know, it's interesting, I'm uh, starting to be, I got here at Sheridan House in 1974, and uh, I'd worked for the state of Florida, what used to be called juvenile court, and I'd made referrals. Um, they, a, a boy would come before the juvenile court for something, a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old, and I'd find a place for him. And I found a little house in Hollywood called Sheridan House and filled the house. And quite honestly, it existed five years before I got here. Uh, I continued to get uh, introduced as the, as the founder, not the founder, Bill Billingsley's the founder then. They had five directors in five years, and I kept applying and, not, and getting turned down for some reason. I mean, who wouldn't want some of this? That was, couldn't figure that out, but I kept applying. And I got it by default. All of a sudden, no one else wanted it, and it was going under, and, and it was either Bob or we fold. And uh, so the boys that are in that first house of mine now are crossing over 60 years old. It's absolutely awesome. 60 years old. What? I'm, I'm sorry, Harvey. I've got the IQ block on my hearing aids. Anything under 80, I can't hear at all. Yeah. So I, um, it hit me the other day, why don't these boys come back and say thank you? Why don't they? I mean, some have. Uh, Tony, Tony was with us seven years, which is unheard of. Tony was with us middle school, high school, and Tony was a guy. When it was time to go to college, I found seven businessmen who agreed to uh, each uh, donate to, uh, and match what Tony made in the summer. So college got paid for Tony. He came back, uh, public school teacher for a while. Now he's uh, head of the night shift of the Davie Police Department and thinks it's hilarious to pull me over. Uh, I sometimes think he just waits out there for, my, for me to leave and then I hear sirens and then he keeps going and I pull over because I don't know for sure it's Tony. Uh, and he's, he's, he's retiring, lots of school teachers, uh, several pastors, but you just wonder, some of them, but we're talking thousands, why don't they come back? But then it hit me the other day, I'm still kind of waiting for my kids to say thank you for college. And yeah, thank you, good luck, right? And so the, the gratitude, where's the gratitude? And then Paul wants us to kind of grasp, where's the gratitude? Where's the gratitude? Do we have any clue what he's done for us? Last week we talked about the power of God. This week we're going to talk about the love of God. And Paul, who's in prison, wants us to get this. Yeah, it's extremely important for us to know how we entered into a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. It's the foundation we stand on. How did we, really, I have a relationship with the creator of the universe? Yeah, he said, call me, Bob, when you talk to me, call me Father, our Father, Horton Evans. This is how I want you to pray. So you gotta be my age to remember the Miami Dolphin named Norm Evans. And Norm was here, and then uh, got traded to Seattle, and they had a party for Norm, and Norm was on our board, and he invited Rosemary and I to come to the party. And, and so I'm just kind of standing in line at a buffet to get food at the party at somebody's house. And I realized standing in front of me is Don Shula. And unfortunately, I, I said this too loud. I said to Rosemary, just like this, look, Rosemary, there's Shula. And he turns around and starts laughing. And we get in this conversation because I realize he's talking to a moron. And he then asks, do you, at Sheridan House, Norm's told me a little about Sheridan House, but do you play sports there? I said, yes, sir, we do. He said, do you play football? I said, during football season, we, we play football. Um, and so he said, do you have a final, like, end of the year game? And I said, yeah, we do. He says, would you like to play it in Joe Robbie Stadium? I said, yeah, I think so. Um, and, and, I, and I said, can the moms come? 
And it was the funniest thing because the moms, you know, 60, 70,000 people, we, we had 30 moms in the whole stands and shared now staff and we're down on the field and the boys are playing each other. And then Shula and the Dolphins must have finished whatever it is they were doing, come walking out onto the field to meet the boys. And the moms are weeping. The little, our boys don't have dads, typically. And so the fact that they don't have dads means they really don't know who these people are and how big they are. I mean, they see how big the stadium is and they've seen that on television. But the moms are weeping and the guys are out there. And Mark Hicks, you've you got to also be able to remember him. He was unbelievable with them. And we walk away and one mom uh, comes up to my car and says, how, how did you make that happen? And I said, I have no idea. I was standing in line at a dinner and, and, and said something stupid. Look, there's Shula. And he turns around and starts laughing at the moron. No idea. And then it hit me. I do have an idea. You did that. You did that. You know, it's like, how many turkeys arrived here yesterday, Rick? 320. 320. I'm pulling in at 730, and there's a huge truck out there. And I'm watching a forklift, and I realize it means work, so I didn't stop. I kept coming to the office. Uh, <laughs> And, and watching, and we were given that many turkeys. When we were building the building over here, a friend of mine was a manager at Publix, and he said, would you like a walk-in freezer in this building? And I said, I don't know, would we? I mean, I'm not sure what we do with it. And instead he gave us three walk-in freezers, and they are full of turkeys today. Uh, like, wow. But do we, the power of God, and it's not just because of the power of God. To get this relationship we're talking about, we need to know what God did. We need to know what he did. And not only what he did, but how. We need to know how God did it. How did God do it? And we need to know why God did it. And then we need to know what part we played in it. And I'll just answer that for you right away. None. Zero. He did it all. Yeah, it says in Colossians, in the passage we're looking at today, for God in all his fullness, fullness was pleased to live in Christ. In all his fullness. In other words, Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. Don't have a clue how that works. But he was pleased. Why? Because he loves you that much. Because he loves you that much. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. That's very interesting the way the NIV translates that. By my evil thoughts, by some of the ridiculous things that go through my thought process. Are we kidding where did that, Bob, what are you doing walk, watching walk by? What is that? And welcome to South Florida, yeah. Yet, 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 now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You know, I'm in a different stage of parenting right now. I'm a, parent, I'm, I'm a grandparent. And a grandparent's one of the most fun things. Yeah, because yeah, you don't have to be a disciplinary. Yeah, right. 
and you know, I mean, I was all into discipline when I had kids, and all into consequences, and uh, and logic. And now having grandparents, I don't, I don't give a rip. Uh, it's absolutely awesome. And the two I call Tori's boys the thugs, the two thugs, Reuben, uh, Reuben especially, Reuben and Judah. We wiped out a bag of Snickers, wiped it out, and and uh, unfortunately, the youngest one, Judah, told his mom. And his mom, Tori, uh, has my personality, bring it. And she says, Dad, you would never let us do that. Why did you? I said, I, I don't have to have rules anymore, right? I mean, this is awesome. And it's like total, complete, absolute love and forgiveness. Regardless, when one of the angels might say to God, did, Lord, did you just, what just went through his mind? He's forgiven. He's forgiven. He's forgiven. Yeah, we're going to help him with that, but he's forgiven. This total reconciliation, you have to, you have to be my age to remember S&H green stamps. Anybody remember S&H? Yeah, I know Harvey does, yes. Um, and I worked at a gas station uh, through high, summers of high school and uh, summers of undergraduate school, and we handed out, uh, handed out the green stamps. Uh, when you paid your bill, and here's the stamps. And if you didn't want them, and a lot of people say, I'm good. And so I asked the owner. The owner was like another dad to me. And I said, if they don't want them, and he says, yes, you can have them if they don't want them. And he just yeah. put them in your pocket. So I'd get a massive amount of books and go to what was called, remember what the store was called? Redemption Center. It's such a great name. And you take the books that you put stamps in, and I, I, I don't know know how many baseball gloves I bought. I was so stupid. I mean, there's everything you can imagine in the store, but just new baseball gloves, new baseball gloves. Redemption Center. We're in the Redemption Center, and he's taking us off the shelf to use you, to use you for the things you were created for. And is this easy to understand? No. It's impossible to understand. The love of Creator God that it was planned from the Old Testament, starting with Abraham, a blood sacrifice, to get us wrapped around a blood sacrifice, that there's going to be an ultimate blood sacrifice. So is it, is it easy? To, no, it's not easy to understand. It's kind of like forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, I've been using the same uh, laptop computer, and uh, then Rick decided it was time for a new one for me, and he sw he, I think he thinks it's funny, he switched me over to Apple. And I know how to use this other seven-year-old laptop, um, and Apple is so different, and every, all the young ones in here are telling me it's intuitive. Uh, what in the world is intuitive? Just I, and, and finding things, and so then I, I'm not going all the way. I'm not. I downloaded Microsoft Word onto my Apple computer, and it's, it's having some issues, and uh, I take it down the hall, and the crazy thing is I'll take it down the hall to the 30-year-old, and she thinks it's her job to explain it to me. And either John Adler or Aaron, who's not here anymore, I don't want you to explain it, just fix it. It's not working, just fix it. And you've tried to explain it over and over. This is impossible. Just receive it. That your father loves you so much, it's ridiculous. You're never, I'm never, I'm never going to understand it. I cannot begin to understand what God's power can do with me until I begin to understand God's love what God's love did for me. It redeemed me off the shelf. Totally forgiven. 
this 100% God, 100% man. And there's several places in the Bible where they try to explain it. I love it. Uh, Paul tries again in Philippians. And in Philippians 2.5, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, though he was God. And I don't think the greatest sacrifice Jesus made was on the cross. Personally, I think the greatest sacrifice he made was leaving heaven at all. 200 million angels at his beck and call. And angels aren't the fat little doughboys on Valentine's cards. They're warriors. And so he stands up one day, takes off his crown, takes off his robe. And I know the angels probably thought it's time. They must have come to attention, and he had to say, not this time. And there's a song out there 10 years ago, how the angels must have wept. You're going to earth without us? Do you know what they're going to? Yeah. This was the plan. I'm going to die for Nick. Yeah. I'm going to die for Joe. Yeah, probably not Gruntler, but, you know, everybody else. I'm going, I'm, I'm, and here's the amazing thing. If we were the only ones, he'd have come for us. He'd have come for us. Yeah, instead of giving up his, instead he gave up his divine privileges, Philippians uh, 2, 7 says. He took the humble position of a slave, which means restricted by a body, and was born as a human being. Then he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. I repeat how the angels must have wept. How they must have wept. Colossians 1.19 again. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, through Christ, God reconciled to himself God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth and by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Wow, payment for my sins. My sin was dealt with. You know, and I know there's certain kinds of personalities that, that when something bad happens around them, they think, I know why this happened because of what I did back in, no. You are forgiven, 100% forgiven. There's that story of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was in the Rivendell concentration camp, um, and she gets out of the concentration camp at World War II. Uh, her, her sister Betsy died. If you haven't read, read the book, The Hiding Place, you're missing one of the greatest books on planet Earth, The Hiding Place. Um, and she's preaching. She's a female evangelist throughout Europe, and she's preaching. And as she's preaching and giving an altar call, uh, a man comes forward who was one of the most vicious, disgusting guards in Rivendell who did horrible things to those women, and he's weeping, and she comes down off the platform to him, and she, he says to her, can God forgive even me? And she says, absolutely. And then he says, and he looks at her, can you forgive me? And she says, I have no choice, and hugs him. Wow. Part of this understanding of what God has forgiven me of is also to forgive people around me, my enemies, whatever that is. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything. He made peace with everything. And verse 21, this includes you who were once far from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet, now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence 
You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I, I think there are some of us that believe God. I, I, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm going to heaven. I, I just don't, not, I don't know that he's going to do great things with me. Oh, wow. Of course he is. It's a total trust. It's a total trust. I am totally, completely forgiven. Yeah, your response to this should be, uh, our response to this should be our daily overwhelming life of outrageous gratitude. Of outrageous gratitude. So I'm at a restaurant with a man in this Bible study. We're eating, and uh, he's not here today. We're eating, and we, we asked the waitress, uh, Patty, I said, Patty, I'm getting ready to pray. Is there anything I can pray for you? And then she says, yes, I, my car is still without air conditioning, and I can't afford to get it fixed, and blah, blah, blah. And a couple things at my house need to be repaired. She's a single mom, older single mom. And so we finish and uh, uh, pay the bill, and this man puts a $100 bill down on the thing as an extra tip. And she uh, comes running. We're standing outside the restaurant is at the tavern. We, she comes running out. And says, this is too much. She's weeping. This is too much. This is too much. And I almost said his name. And my friend says, I didn't do that for you. I did that for Jesus. So please be the envelope. It was brilliant. Please receive it for Jesus. She will never, as long as she lives, forgets that. Ever, ever, ever. Out of gratitude? Outrageous gratitude? Overwhelming gratitude? Yeah. This includes you who were once far away from him. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. But not anymore, I'm forgiven. Verse 23 gives a warning. I love it. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly. Don't drift away. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift away. What do you think that means, don't drift away? Any thoughts? Oh, Bob, don't drift away from the, the assurance of this relationship. Don't drift away. It, it's interesting. It doesn't say don't turn away. There's a little picture of a slow drift. It's okay to look at that. It's okay to click on that. It's okay to whatever. And then I think part of that in this time, uh, are we going to be okay here in America, Lord? Are we going to be, oh, and in this time we can drift away from the almighty, unbelievable, incredible power, incredible power of almighty God. Yeah, he's still on the throne. He's not involved. We're not electing or unelecting him. He's still on the throne. Do we have responsibility to vote? Absolutely. But we have a, we have a not a responsibility, an opportunity to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I can't tell you over the years, and I heard it the first time. I, it's been 40 years ago, a woman in my office, and I knew her because she was the admin for a businessman friend of mine. She's in my office sobbing and trying to get it out of her mouth that she's been having an extramarital affair. And finally she gets it out of my mouth, and we're talking about it a little bit, and I say to her, are you having an affair with your boss? And she looks down and starts weeping, and I said, you know, I, I, I got to go over there and confront him. Oh, for your sake and his sake. You're both married. I got to go over there and confront him. So I suggest you call in and take the afternoon off. And I get over there, and I don't know how he knew it, but he, he knew. 
as I walked in, and he said, uh, why are you here? I said, I, I just need a few minutes, can I talk to you? And he takes me way back into the back of, yeah. And I said, so are you having an extramarital affair with so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, he gets emotional, and he said, how did I get here? How did I get here? It started with us working together, and then it started with us talking together, and it started with us, it continued with us over a period of a couple of years, talking more and more, and then not just talking about work, talking about each other, and talking about our marriages, and talking about this, and then one day I said, you want to go get lunch? And we'll go out to lunch together. Even though I knew it was wrong, we went out to lunch together. And then I, after several months, we didn't come back from lunch one day. Went and got a room. How did I get here? It was a slow drift. Yeah, a slow drifting. I, I, I think good, good men don't just turn and do it. I don't think good men get up and say, you know what, I've never done this before, but I think I want to have an extramarital affair today. A slow drift. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Don't drift away. There's a valuable warning there. When I stop reminding myself of what God did in what God in Christ did, I can drift away from the truth and become vulnerable and slowly drifting away from my confidence in my Father's love and power. With whatever you're dealing with right now, he's got this. Yeah, God came for me, has a plan for me, he can take care of me. But then he can empower me to do stuff I never dreamed. Yeah, how did we get that? How did we get a truckload of turkeys on pallets? Him. Him. Yeah. How, you got this, I know, Lord. And then he finishes verse 23 with, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to, to proclaim it. So I guess the bottom line is, who am I here to serve? My servant him? Or my servant my own, my own, my own desires? Watching Tori teach Reuben, and I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve you. How in the world did Joseph work for 11 years in Potiphar's house with the boss's wife coming after him and saying, come to bed with me. And we believe there's a strong possibility it was a topless culture from the hieroglyphics. So she's topless, the men are topless, the women are topless. 11 years? I mean, I'd, got, I'd have to gouge my eyes out and come to bed with me. And his whole thing was, <laughs> yeah, how could I do such a thing and sin against God? And you wanna, you wanna if I'm in the, in the slave quarters with Joseph, I wanna say, you're still trusting God. You grew up in an opulent home, you say, back in Canaan, and they sold you into slavery. Your brothers did, and you've been here 11 years, 17 to 28 years old, and you're still trusting God? Are you kidding me? Sleep with her. And then all of a sudden, she can't take it anymore and tells a lie about him. And she's done with him. He tried, this Hebrew you brought amongst us tried to rape me. He goes to prison for two and a half years and works hard in the prison to minister to people. Because I'm not serving the prison. I'm not serving Potiphar. I'm serving God. Prime Minister of Egypt, in one day he goes from prisoner to Prime Minister of Egypt. He knows no matter what, God's got a plan for me. If you're still on planet Earth, he's got, he's got plans for you. Otherwise, he's a wonderful father. He's going to bring you home. He's going to bring you home. But the plan is serving. And can I also say, American, the plan is giving, is giving. We're so blessed in this country. I'm not worried about eating. Now there's a lot of single moms worried about eating, but I'm not worried about eating. It's giving. It giving. He blesses you so you'll be a blessing. And this is a time to give till you feel it. It's called a living and holy sacrifice. Present yourself as a living holy sacrifice, Romans 12.1. 
in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God's done for you, is this too much to ask? This is your holy act of worship. That verse ends with Romans 12.1. Amazing. So you're blessed to be a blessing. When God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. That's not my quote. I can't figure out who, I saw it, and then I forgot to get the guy's name. Don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. Yeah, this has never been a bigger time to give more than you've ever given. Demonstrate your gratitude to God by living a life that brings glory to God, not self. Glory to God, not self. And one of the things I love about the way God handles us here at Sheridan House is the miracles he does for us. He does in a way that, we, that my ego might like to take credit for it, uh, but it's so obvious I didn't have anything to do with it. And I know I've told this story a hundred times in this room, but it was a single mom toy store, and I'm standing out under the portico, facing out, and a single mom who had, who had just had cancer surgery, and we'd helped her a long time, and she comes back up to me crying because of the toys she got for her kids, and says to me, I, I, I feel guilty asking you this, but you've always told us to ask Bob, do you guys ever get Christmas trees? As she gets the word trees out of her mouth, this semi, flatbed, whatever you call those big trucks, pulls up from St. Mark's Catholic Church saying, we're done with our Christmas tree sale. Can you use all these trees? I mean, a ridiculous amount of trees stacked up. And I, I look, and she's looking at the look on my face, and she turns around and looks, and she said, how'd you do that? And I said, I think I'm more surprised than you are. I don't know how this happened right here. And I love the way God does it where it's so unbelievably obvious. We had nothing to do with it, so we have to give God the glory. And even those moments where my eagle, I'd like to take credit for something. Well, you know, that's a great example. Moses didn't part the water. But his trust in God to stand up there in front of the Red Sea and hold that. And the Red Sea has two names. And I, I had a liberal professor in a philosophy class said, the other name for the Red Sea is the Reed Sea. Is the Reed Sea. And, um, and if you look in your Bible, I have a little asterisk by Red Sea, and a lot of you hit its Reed Sea. And so the professors uh, tried to make the point, I'll never forget this, tried to make the point that they really were able to walk across the shallow Reed Sea. And a kid, I love this kid, he's a pastor today, said, Wow, that's even a greater miracle. The Egyptians drown in a foot of water? <laughs> and I thought, oh, I wish I'd have said that. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, glory to God, not to self. Glory to God, not to self. There's a man who told a story 80-plus years ago. Uh, he grew up uh, with the Tsar Alexander, Tsar Alexander, uh, when they were little boys, before he was the Tsar. They were really good friends, and when Tsar Alexander became the Tsar, he made his friend the treasurer uh, for, in Kiev for all of, all of Russia. And uh, he had a gambling problem, and as he had a gambling problem, he started borrowing money from the treasury, meaning to pay it back, and meaning to pay it back, and, meaning, and never paid it back. And so he reached a, 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 a night where he just, I, I need to just take my life. So he's in the, his office late at night, and he's got a bottle of vodka, and he's writing a note uh, to his friend, Alexander, that I am so sorry, I, I, I've been stealing money. It's a debt I'll never be able to pay. Uh, please forgive me. And uh, before he could shoot himself, he passed out from drinking so much vodka. And Tsar Alexander got up that night and just went for a walk and saw what looked to be a candle lit 
under the door of his friend's office, and he walks in, and he stands over it, and he sees it, and he sees this note about this debt, and this guy being an accountant-type guy, he even put the money amount of money down there that he'd taken, and then Alexander picks up the pen and writes, paid in full, Alexander, your friend. Takes the gun and walks out. Years and years and years and years later, this man uh, makes it out of Russia and makes it to New York City and tells this story uh, when he's talking about his testimony and how he eventually came to Christ. Paid in full. Paid in full. No, it's a debt you can't pay. You can't pay it. There's nothing you did to get to go to heaven. There's nothing you did to get to have a relationship with Almighty God. There's nothing you, Jesus did at all. And he did it all because he wanted to, because he loves you, and he has a plan for you, and he couldn't imagine heaven without you. Yeah, I love this. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We've talked about this before. That's such a great statement. If it said as far as the north is from the south, we actually know the distance of the North Pole to the South Pole. We don't know the distance of the east to the west. You just keep walking. He's removed all your sins completely forgiven, pure, his, each of us is his favorite child, his favorite child, and he knows the plans he has for you. So when I stand in heaven, and I want to say, Jesus, I want to, I, I, there's, I, there's just something I really need to start this journey with and apologize for you. And he said, do you have a higher standard than me, Bob? Because I've forgotten all your sins. I've removed them. You don't have a higher standard than me. Forget it. Done. Pure. Totally pure. 